Good morning. It's 9.01, so I'm 55 seconds late. I apologize. Uh, I'd rather be David Ware late than the late David Ware. Uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter number 3 this morning, for those of you who don't have Sunday school books. Uh, Philippians chapter number 3. Uh, it's a fantastic, awesome uh, discourse. Uh, the Sunday school lesson is focused on verses 7 through 11, but for context and for uh, clarity, we're going to back up and start at verse 1 and quickly go through those first six, but I think we'll need to do that just so you will understand. We hope you're doing well today. We hope that you are praying and asking God to meet you at the very point of your need. <clears throat> and excuse me, uh, as always, we are praying for each other. Say amen to that. Amen. Let's pray and Get ready to dive into this fantastic, awesome word as we peruse the parameters of this particular pericope found in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11. We're going to start at verse number 1. Get your smart tablets, your, your iPhones, your, your Bibles, and gather there as we pray. <clears throat> Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your abundant grace and your mercy. We thank you for the peace that abides. We thank you that in the midst of the storm, you are our anchor. We thank you that the anchor holds fast beyond the veil. We thank you, Father God, that you've watched over us and stood by us during the storms of life. Even when storms come through, like last night, it just reminds us spiritually that we have protection in you because you are our protection in and from the storm. Thank you, Jesus for your abundant grace. Thank you, God, for your tender mercy. Thank you for blessing us when we are too selfish to even open our mouths and say thank you. Thank you for blessing us when we are so self-centered that we won't even give you praise. Thank you that when we forget who made us get up this morning, it was not the alarm clock, it was not our smartphones, but it was the tender touch of love. Forgive us for that, but you still bless us and we pause to say thank you. Thank you for life, health, and strength. Thank you, God, for everything we complained about this week. Thank you, God, for everything we fussed about this week. Thank you, God, for everything we were disappointed in this week. Thank you, God, for everything we just went off about this week. You still are God, and you're still blessing us. God, we pray right now this morning that you would heal our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. Some people are going through one thing and some people are going through another. We don't know exactly what they're dealing with, but we know you have the answer to every question. We know that you are the solution to any equation. So we just pause to say thank you. We thank you for blessing us, God, with health and strength to the extent that we have it. And those of us who are weak in those areas, we pray that you will build us back up. Now, God, we pray that you bless those who have particular physical issues that we know about that you would go there and heal their bodies, that you would heal their minds and their spirits, and let them know that there is no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. There is no disease, no calamity, no injury that you cannot heal, and we thank you. Father, we pray right now for this place called Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church under the auspicious leadership of Bishop William L. Shears, that you would bless and keep him, God, as he gives us the word of God. Bless him, God, and keep him, God, in the name of Jesus. Now, God bless this, your, this Sunday school class, all those who are here, all those who are on the way, all those listening by internet. We love you. We praise you. It is in Jesus' name 
Amen. Amen. Have you all ever uh, had a friend and you deal with the friend on a fairly regular basis and you think you know them pretty well and then one day they just go off and you say to yourself, I have never seen Mother LeSure that mad. I didn't even think she could get mad. Well, chapter 3 of Philippians is Paul having a complete meltdown about what's going on with this little church in Philippi. Uh, uh, Paul uh, does something unusual here that I think you will find interesting, especially you uh, theologians, because Paul is talking to his church uh, not so much about any uh, doctrinal disagreements, but the core of our belief in Christ. So you have to understand that Christ is the center of the spoke of the wheel. Everything revolves around Christ. Anything else that nudges into the center of that spoke is idolatry. Watch this. Even your denomination, even your rituals, even your timetables, and even things you do all the time. If anything predominates over Jesus the Christ, it's idolatry. Now, I'm not saying you're doing incantations and turn around three times and blowing bubbles. I'm just telling you, you got to keep Jesus at the center. The songwriter say, says Jesus is the center of my joy. Watch this. When we back up now to um, verse 1 of chapter 3 of Philippians, <clears throat> you'll see something here. Uh, uh, Paul starts this discourse off saying, finally. Now, here's the thing about finally. Finally here, this adjective used here, is a good church word. Uh, we like to hear that at the end of a long service. Uh, after we've been here early and prayed long and late, <laughs> we love it when the pastor says, finally, hallelujah. But this finally here that Paul is using uh, is not that finally. This finally is a Greek word called lodipon. And this lodipon in the Greek uh, is not so much finally as if the end, but Paul is saying, now I've saved the best for last. That's what finally means here in this context. I've what? I've saved the best for last. Because we know from last week, uh, he gave us this marvelous expose about the kenosis of Jesus. Jesus emptying himself and became man that we might be brought into the body of, body of Christ and have access to God. Paul says, having gone through all that, uh, and, and he says, I, I want to now get to the crux of something else. He says, I, I, I want to tell you something else about this whole lifestyle in life. And he says, so finally, in other words, let me tell you what's really going on here. Let me give you what the French would call the piece de resistance. Let me get you the, piulti- the penultimate, uh, where we're going with this thing, Paul says. You got to know. So look at this, finally. This is what Paul says. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write some same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you is safe. Paul says, listen, 
We're in a safe space. I, I got to talk to you about some things uh, because as Herodotus, uh, uh, Papa Rodius has come to me and told me what's going on at the church, I need to address some things with you. But he said, it's a safe space. We all friends in here together. Uh, everything we say in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right? Everything we say to each other stays here. Paul says, but I got to deal with some stuff because I'm a little bit irritated. I told you, Paul is a sweet guy, but every now and then, Paul will go off. So Paul says, I got to go off, not because of anything that has to do with me, but because people are preaching things that are not Christ-like. I don't know about you, but as I read the paper every day and listen to the news and even listen to some Christian TV, I'm beginning to see this more and more where politics has seeped into the whole body of Christ movement and people are in two camps. Either you are a Christian nationalist or you're just a Christian. Christian nationalism has to do with politics being the predominant reason you serve God. It's a dangerous philosophy. Paul says, uh, in the same way, let me tell you what's happening down here where you are in, in Philippi. Now, I want, want you to watch now. I tell you now, Paul is upset. Look, look how he starts off. Verse 2 says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. Now, now watch this. <laughs> Do you notice who Paul leaves off this list? He, he got three categories. Dogs, evil workers, and concision. Concision really not a person because this is a thing. He leaves the devil off. Paul says this that you're dealing with and we have to deal with has nothing to do with Satan. This has to deal, do with the two-legged devils that you run into every day. Paul says first of all I want you to beware. Look out. Watch. Keep your eyes open. And he uses a, he uses really a racial epithet. Uh, dogs were what Jews called non-Jews. All Gentiles, those who aren't born in one of the 12 tribes, were considered dogs. It is a horrible racial insult for Paul to refer to certain Jews as dogs. He uh, uh, is trying to make a point about how upset he is it's like when some of y'all forget your education and you call folk that name. Yeah. Paul says, beware of these dogs. Now, why would he use the word dogs? Uh, in, in, the, in the Near East, so around Israel, or excuse me, around Jerusalem and, and Philippine, they had no kennels, they had no chains, they had no uh, dog collars. Dogs ran wild. They would bite you. They fought for scraps. They were diseased. They were mangy. They wasn't like your little dogs. You have little pepper and little juju and all the feet running around, sleeping in your bed and all that. Wasn't like that. Uh, I'll talk to y'all about that later. But, um, uh, don't understand. So, but these dogs were wild, undisciplined. All right? Their only purpose was to eat and to live and to attack without cause and indiscriminately. Paul says, there are people in your midst who are just like 
those dogs. Now you got to understand if, you, if, you, if you're in church reading this letter, because when they got the letter, it wasn't broken down in chapters. <clears throat> because that's, that's a Greek thing that we did. Uh, they're reading this letter, letter, and whoever reading the letter, Sister Annette, starts reading it. I'm sure it got to this part and says, did he want me to read this out loud? Yeah, he did. To the whole church, beware of those dogs. Now watch this. Um, he, he wants them to understand that anybody who falls into the category of people I'm about to describe are the lowest of the lowest and the worst of the worst, and you ought to beware of them. You ought to be able to see them when they're coming because the first thing you want to do, I grew up in the country, First thing you want to do when you see a wild dog is get out the way. Climb a tree, get on top of a bus, run, do something, but you can't win against a wild dog because they don't fight till they die. Okay? Paul says, beware of them. Now, notice this. Paul next shifts and says, now, Paul becomes polemic here in that he wants them to know he's upset. He's not trying to hide the fact that he's upset. Sometimes you just got to let folk know what you're doing ain't going to work. In love, I'm trying not to throw these hands. So I'm asking you to listen to me because the path you're going down is a problem and we need to talk. Man to man, woman to woman, parent to child, child to parent, member to member, we need to talk because this is silliness. Paul says, watch this. Paul says, now not only are they dogs, but he says, they are evil workers. Now, these people Paul are talking about, these Judaizers, really only had one sort of theme. They believed that in order for a Gentile to come into the body of Christ, they had to become a Jew first. And that ritual involved circumcision. So they were really putting a requirement on people that Jesus never put on them. It was being done from a place not of love, but of legalism. Wanting people to conform to the manner of an ethnic group. Y'all stay with me? Ethnicity has nothing to do with Christianity. I know what you might have heard, but you can't be born a Christian. Even though your grandmama and great-grandmama and all them back there dipping snuff were Christians, you can't get that by osmosis. It's a personal decision, one by one. You're not born saved. You're not born into salvation. And your mother's salvation is insufficient to cover you. Your grandmother's salvation is insufficient to cover you. Don't get mad. I'm just telling you. Just because you went to a little church by the side of the road and sat on the seat with a little placard on the back that said, this is the Ware family bench, that didn't save you. Y'all disappointed? You've got to work out your own soul salvation. How? With fear and trembling. Paul said, let me tell you about these boys. Paul says, they're evil workers because they're not coming to you from a place of love. They're coming to you because they want you to feel bad that you weren't born Jewish. Paul says, it's meant, now you gotta understand, Paul here is stomping on some tradition and stomping on some stuff here 
that's making these people extremely upset because they were very proud of the fact that they were Jews. They, they were very, uh, uh, what's the word we use down in the country? Stuck up. Right? Y'all know that word? Because they were Jews. Oh, please, I don't do that. I'm a Jew. Don't. We get like that. Oh, well, Baptists don't do that. Oh, Methodists don't do that. Oh, but Paul is saying, be careful with that because if you're weaponizing how to get saved and you're using a ritual as a basis, Paul says, you missed the mark. As much as you think you're saved, sanctify, fill with the Holy Ghost and that with a burning fire, got a mind to see Jesus. If you, if you penalize other people because they don't get it like you got it, Paul says, you missed the mark. The Judaizers in the audience must have been very irritated because they didn't want to hear that. Now, let's, let's, let's walk a little further. Paul says, <coughs> excuse me, he says, I want you also to beware of concision. Now, concision is basically mutilation. Paul says, uh, Paul says, I understand the whole idea about circumcision. Paul says, I get that. But you all aren't using it for that reason. Paul says, it's really become mutilation. You're just doing it to take pleasure in somebody else's pain. Paul says, the other thing is, Paul says, what you are doing is, you are slipping into uh, what, what, what the Greek word is, katonome, K-A-T-A-T-O-M-E, mutilation of the body, which is on par with pagan practices that you see forbidden in Leviticus 21.5. Leviticus 21.5 tells us not to make any marks on our bodies, any cuttings, anything like that, because that's what the pagans do. Now, for those of you who have tattoos, people who want to keep you under bondage will say, you are out of order if you have a tattoo and make you feel bad, because then they'll, they'll cite to you Leviticus 21.5. When they do that, tell them, but I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Right? Y'all quit pulling your pants down uh, so people don't see your tattoo. You got a tattoo, you got a tattoo. Don't mean you're not saved. You see what happens when people aren't, aren't liberated? See how people can manipulate things? You're not under Leviticus 21.5. You're under grace. Because if you, if you, if you have to go by Leviticus 21.5, then you can't eat any more catfish. The devil is a lie. No more pork. The devil is a lie. You can't pick out one portion, right, and not use it because how in the world are you going to have rice and gravy and no pork chops? It don't make no sense. How are you going to have eggs and no bacon? Come on, y'all. So here's what Paul says. Paul says, be careful using something like that as a tool to suppress people. Paul says, it's not the cause of Christ and I'm upset about it because it's happening in my church, at, my church, at the church in Philippi. Go a little further. <clears throat> Paul says, let me tell you the real truth. Paul says, the Jews aren't even really the chosen people. He's about to get in trouble, y'all. You see why he killed him. You understand, right? It's the same thing that Jesus had. Jesus said, let me tell y'all something. Other sheep I have that are not of this fold, them also must I bring, 
and we shall, and they shall be one sheep, and I will be their shepherd. And they said, sound like he's saying, Gentiles get in. Exactly what I'm saying, because it was never ethnic. I just used the Jewish people as the conduit to get you into the earth, but you're not exclusive. Watch this. Paul said, Paul about to get in trouble. Here, watch this what he does. He says, for we, not you the Jews, we, in other words, people who are saved, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Boy, you better get your hat and get out of here. <laughs> Paul says, we are more chosen than the chosen people. Which is why I get so tickled at the black Hebrew movement. Because why you want to do that when it's not necessary? It doesn't mean anything. You made it up. I'm, I'm, that's great, brother. But it's, 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 uh, it's not real. Paul says, look at, this, look at this, look at this. Paul says, I don't have any confidence in the flesh. Paul says, true circumcision means I don't get in because of something I do to my body. I get in because Jesus saved me. Because the grace of God reached down to where I was and pulled me up to where he was. doesn't matter whether I'm circumcised or uncircumcised, because if you keep this price up, Paul says, then you exclude all the women. Hello? You can't have a discriminatory practice and call it Christ. You can't stand in the pulpit and preach Christ and own slaves. You can't stand in the pulpit and preach Christ and support the ownership of slaves. I'm just telling you, not me, just what, what the Bible says. And I know you can take it all out of school all you want to in Florida and everywhere else, but the fact may remains that you can call yourself a Christian. Paul said, but you're not living according to God's dictates. You are not what you say you are. And I'm here for that, Paul said. I'm going to let you know. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Paul says, Paul says, now, if you, if you really want to um, talk about this, and if you really want to compare and contrast, Paul says, let me tell you something. It's going to blow your mind. Watch this. Paul says, now, I might, have, I might have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, Paul says, not more than me. In other words, Paul says, those of you who are talking about this can't compare your resume to mine. I founded this church under the unction of the Holy Spirit. You are preaching about some ritualistic practice that Jesus did away with on the cross. Paul says, but if you want to, if you want to do that, if you want to compare and contrast who's really in this thing, Paul says, let me run down, pull out my resume. Hold on a second. Let me open up my iPad and pull my resume up and let's walk through my resume. Paul will say what you would say when you know you're about to lose an argument or when you're about to win an argument. You say, let me know when you finish. <laughs> just, 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 say, say everything you want to say. Let me know because I got something for you. Watch, watch Paul walk through this. Paul says, though I might also, verse 4, have comes in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I, I'm more so. Paul says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Paul says, number one, I'm in because I was born a Jew and I went through the ritual that you're now insisting on. Number two, Paul says, 
I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, which gave the Jews their first king, Saul. Paul says, I'm from good stock. I'm, I'm from, my, my mother was educated. My grandmother was educated. My great-grandmother was, y'all know how y'all do that, all the way back. And my daddy was this, and my granddaddy was this. My granddaddy was a deacon, and my great-granddaddy was a charming of the board, and my mother was a mother on the mother's board, and my daddy was a pastor, going all the way back to church, right? Paul says, I can run that down if you want to. I don't have any confidence in it, but let me tell you about it. Paul says, look, he says, now, uh, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul says, let me tell you what happened, because some of you all had this experience too. Paul says, I'm not one of those people who was raised in the church, and then when I went off to college, stopped going to church. And when I got on my own and was grown, I didn't go to church until I wanted to. I went every first and fifth Sunday of every third and fourth year. <laughs> Paul says, that wasn't me. Paul says, I did not adopt Greek culture. I stayed a Hebrew among Hebrews. I still practiced everything I practiced as a Jew once I got grown. Some of y'all had that experience where you went to college and lost your mind. Thank God for grace. Don't raise your hand. If you can't say amen, look amen. Paul says, I didn't do that. I stayed true to who I was the whole time. We're going to get to the lesson, but I got to give you this because this, the lesson won't mean that. Paul says, listen to this now. He said, touching the, he says, uh, and as touching the law of Pharisee. Now, Pharisee, there are only 6,000 of them in all the whole Jewish nation. Pharisee, only 6,000. They were strict adherents to the law. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. They, they, were, they were insistent on everything that the law of Moses required. They did it on a daily basis. You can follow around them, follow them, follow, follow them around and watch them. Paul says, I did it every day of my life. Then I met Jesus. Watch this. Paul says, now concerning zeal, Paul says, don't, don't tell me that you have more zeal for God than me. I persecuted the church. I locked people up. I put them in prison. I sent them to death and I laughed about it. Was glad to do it. That was me. I was like that until I met Jesus on the Damascus Road. <coughs> Paul says, <coughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry. He says, uh, and, 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 and touching the righteousness which is of the law, I was blameless. Now that's a big statement. Paul says, you, if you put a, a Columbo on me and investigated me, you couldn't find a thing I ever did contrary to the law of Moses. Now watch what happens to young Paul. Now let's, now let's go to verse 7 where our lesson picks up. You ready? But, look at that conjunction. Paul says, I did all that. I was still a murderer. I did all that. Went to church every Sunday. Never missed choir rehearsal. Never missed a deacon meeting. Never missed anything. Paul says, I did all that. But I was a murderer. I did not know God that I said I was serving because I had no sweetness in my service. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul says, watch this. Paul says, watch this. He said, but, verse 7, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Ooh, Paul. Paul says, let me do some skilled 
spiritual arithmetic. <clears throat> when I add up everything I did until that day on the Damascus Road, everything I accomplished, I spoke, I speak seven languages, trained as a lawyer by Gamaliel, <clears throat> sit on the Sanhedrin, Jew among Jews. He said, I added all that up and it added up to nothing. I counted it loss for Christ. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. Got a little cough. He says, <coughs> as he did this reconciliation in his arithmetic, spiritual arithmetic book. <coughs> okay, stop. He said, uh, I choose to regard them as lost. <coughs> they aren't worthless, <coughs> but I'm going to act like they are. Um. <coughs> Excuse me one second. I'm sorry. All right. Woo. That's what happens when you get excited. Um, <coughs> if you get a chance later today, Read the parable <coughs> of the pearl of great price. I don't know if that's going to do it. <coughs> Thank you. <coughs> Woo. Wow. So, Paul says, what I have done is I added up everything and I decided that none of it means anything. <coughs> Or meant anything until I met Jesus. Y'all quit looking so worried. I ain't gonna die up here. I'm just coughing. <coughs> Y'all scared? Oh, you got COVID? No, I don't. I haven't COVID. <coughs> if I had COVID, I wouldn't come to church. Now watch this, verse eight. I feel sorry for people who listen to this on by tape. They're gonna say, "Whoo!" Verse eight. <coughs> yes. Doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. <coughs> I told you he was mad. Paul says here in verse 8 he says he used this phrase yea doubtless you see that the translation of the five particles which later he, he really translates is as Paul says yes indeed therefore at least even all of it all of it was worthless till I met Christ. Wait a minute. You're telling me all my religious service is of no benefit? Not if you don't know Christ. You're telling me the fact that I got saved when I was 12, went up and shook the preacher's hand and got baptized in the outside pool down in the country? Not if you don't know Christ. You mean to tell me the fact that my name is on the church roll? But you're still know Christ. Oh, Paul says, I added this stuff up 
And Paul takes a really interesting turn here. <coughs> he says, everything I did is worth about as much, I apologize for being graphic, as the stuff in the septic tank. That's the word Paul used. I didn't use that word. Paul used the word. I told you he was mad. He was highly agitated. He says, it's worthless. It's waste. Do you know how much time people spend, yes, thank you, trying to convince themselves that they've outlived the penalty of sin without thanking God for grace? <coughs> thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. You didn't have to put your hand up like that with a cross because I got a coffee. <laughs> thank you so much. So, <clears throat> Paul says, uh, oh, that's better. Paul says, uh, <clears throat> Paul says, now, uh, let me tell you about loss. Paul says, let me tell you, you, you Judaizers just walking around uh, in your sanctified attitude, but you haven't given up anything. Paul says, I'm in prison. Y'all not serious about God. I'm serious about God. I can prove it. I'm locked up for the cause of Christ. You're just out here talking. But when the rubber hits the road, what have you really done? Paul says, they came to get me and I went with them because I said, if you want me to denounce Jesus over and against being a Jew, I'm picking Jesus every time. Paul says, you can have it all. Give me Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. Paul says, I suffered, the, I suffered the loss of all things. Paul says, one thing I, in verse 7, he says, I counted them lost. In other words, they were lost to me theoretically. He says, now, in, in verse 9, he says, but, but now I, I count them lost. Paul says, I, I, when, I, when I first got saved on the Damascus Road, it didn't cost me anything. Now, 20 years later, I've lost everything. And let me tell you this, I do it all again. Because I love Jesus that much. Paul says, you have to understand, I've lived a while now. I've been through some things now. That I could have renounced Jesus and become a big man in the world. They would have trotted me out. Oh, this is Paul. He says, but I wouldn't dare because I know him. And the fellowship of, oh, Paul says, I love him that much that even in my mature age, as, I, as the old folks say, as I look back over my life, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm still glad I got saved. And I'm still glad I am saved. Glory to God. Paul says, he says, and I'll tell you something else. He says, uh, yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things. Count them but dumb that I may win Christ. Now watch this. Verse 9, Paul says, And be found in him. Y'all, underscore that in your Bible and tell yourself that's what you want. I want to be found in him. In Christ. I don't want to be found a Baptist. I don't want to be found to be a member of coaching. I don't want to be found to be Methodist. 
I don't want to be found to be Catholic. I want to be found in him. My God. They, when, they, when they do a DNA test, I want to come back Jesus every time. I don't want to come back Baptist. I want to come back Jesus. Yes, I want to go on Maury Povich. And they take my DNA. And they say, God, you are the father of David Ware. I'm going to take off running around the stage like those guys do who are not the father. <laughs> Paul says, I want to be found in him. I don't want to be found in the Sanhedrin. I don't want to be found a great scholar, a great philosopher. I want to be found in him. Woo! It's the highest thing you can attain to. And everybody in here can attain to the same thing. It's not graded on the curve. Not just the preachers. Not just the deacons. Not just the intercessors. Everybody can get to the same place. Do you understand you are on the same level as Paul? You just hadn't written anything. But Paul's writing doesn't make him any better than you. Nor is he any closer to God because he wrote. Oh, that's going to mess you up this week, this week on 285. <laughs> when you get to realize who you are in Christ, that Jesus sees you and Paul as the exact thing. Watch this. Let me blow the rest of your mind. Jesus sees you and Mary as on the same plane. Jesus sees you and Joseph as on the same plane. You, Isaiah, Zechariah, Obadiah, Micah, Malachi, Solomon, David, Moses. Jesus says, y'all are all the same. Oh, my God. When you get that, you'll square your shoulders a little bit more. You'll walk like Obama walks. Like you know you bad. Y'all seen my president walk? Let's go. We got a couple more minutes. I'm finish this because y'all slowed me up with all that coffee. Now, <clears throat> Paul says, I could and I will renounce my own righteousness. Paul says, all that ritual stuff I did is worthless. If there's no Jesus in it, it's worthless. Paul says, I did it every day of my, my, my life. He says, but if it didn't have Jesus in it, it's worthless. I'm not denigrating what Moses required because we were under the law back then and God had to do something till he got the Savior here. I'm glad I did it. It's just not what got me saved. What got me saved was that Jesus reached down one day, extended his hand to me, and I took it. And Jesus wasn't lost. I was. <laughs> he came looking for me. I sure wasn't looking for him. Watch this. Paul says, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that's the big difference between a legal relationship based on doing and a spiritual relationship based on being. Because all you're doing you're going to mess up every now and then. But your being can't take away from it. That's why Jesus said, you can't pluck anybody out of my hand. They're mine. Devil, you're wasting time. Now look at, and we're almost done. Uh, verses, verse 10. And, and, and in verse 10, I want you in your margin, 
to write the word O, O-H, and an exclamation point. Because in the Greek, that's how Paul says this next one. He, he, he it got to that point that we Baptist preachers get to, like, like uh, 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 Minister Warrensby, when they're getting ready to close and they hoop. Paul's getting ready to hoop. In the Greek, this says, oh, that I may know him. And the, you, you know you're getting ready to close. He flipped the manuscript up, closed the manuscript, started walking. Oh, that I may know him. That's what in the Greek, that's how it comes across. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto the You can't just hear him preaching. He's tuning up. You, you know the organ guys that boom, hit that oh, no, no, in, in the key of C. Paul's tuning up now. Why? Because he got happy. He started off mad. He was mad in verse 1. He was mad in verse 2 and verse 3. He was angry and upset. But now it hits him and he begins to preach about Pastor Love. Pastor Love, y'all heard Pastor Love preach. Y'all know he get ready to tune up now. I'm about to go to the mountain. Because Paul says, this thing's all over me. I can't, I'm here in jail. I'm chained to these people and still having church. That I can't go anywhere without them be following me. Everything I do, they watching me. I got, I, I mean, it, it smells in here. It's terrible in here. But I'm preaching every day because, oh, that I may know him. And then Paul uses the word, the power of his resurrection. This, 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 this power of his resurrection, Paul says, uh, you know, the young people today talk about having receipts. If you say or do something, uh, if you're in public life uh, and you come back later and change your mind, the young people go back and bring you the receipts. They got you on video. They got your text you wrote two years ago. They, they have a receipt. Paul said, I got a receipt. Paul said, y'all think everything I'm doing is for nothing, but I got a receipt. And my receipt is he got up from the grave just like he said he would. Paul said, so I relaxed in, in my confidence. And Paul says, I feel better in prison than you feel in the Waldorf Astoria because I'm resting in Jesus. I'm, I'm sleeping. Like Joseph was out in the in, in, uh, uh, out in, in the death place when God changed his name. He said, I'm, 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 I'm like the three Hebrew boys, right? I can go in the fire because I know him. I'm like Daniel. I thought this was a zoo. I'm just here to pet the little lion. I'm not afraid. Why? Because I know Jesus. Now watch this. Watch this last one. Paul says, if by any means I might, might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, my whole reason for wanting to do this is I want to attain to. I want to have that same experience. Now, he's not morbidly focused on dying. Neither should you be. Paul says, I'm not trying to die to see if I'm going to get resurrected. That's dumb. He said, but when I, when I do die and I am resurrected, I can't wait to see what that's like. But Paul, Paul reminds us of this relationship we have that's so precious that nobody gets to come in and tell you it's not yours and yours alone. And nobody gets to grade you. You and Jesus are conjoined twins. But you got to get to the point 
when you know him, know him, oh, that I may know him, you got to get to the point that you can sing what the old people used to sing. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry. What? Everything to God in prayer. Watch this because you don't sing the second verse often. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Now watch this, y'all. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. See y'all first Sunday. All participants are unmuted. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Halleluj